Well, it's been quite a year, hasn't it? Just about a year ago, we started with that three-week lockdown, and we entered into this pandemic time that I don't think any of us realized would last as long as it did, and it's impacted us dramatically in all kinds of different ways. And we've had our world changed upside down. We've learned to have church on YouTube. We've learned to have school through Zoom and all those other kinds of things. Our whole world has changed upside down, and it's affected all of us. And we've run into challenges we never thought. I mean, you know, all of those things that we've experienced. But as my friend Kathy writes, in the midst of all of the challenges that we've experienced, opportunities have also emerged. Maybe getting to know your neighbors more or spending more time outside. Our kids learning to ride a bike. Some people have taken up cooking or gardening, faith formation at home, resiliency, creativity, and a whole host of other things. We're learning to heal and to look forward again. And I was thinking about the fact that Jesus too came into the world in a time that was going through great suffering and pain. The world in the first century that he came into, that culture was really, really difficult and and the Jews were under Roman oppression and they were crying out for a healer, for a deliverer, somebody who would bring some hope, who would help them to say that this isn't all that they were ever going to experience. And so they were longing for hope and healing and that's what Jesus came to bring. And he was that light that helped them to look forward again and to be able to understand what was gonna happen. And so today, as I mentioned a moment ago, we're gonna look at the healing ministry of Jesus this morning and how it really touches all of us in various ways. So would you pray with me as we prepare to receive the message this morning? Gracious God, as we look into your word, I pray that we would focus our minds and our hearts on you. And Lord, I just pray that we would be sensitive and hear the Holy Spirit, as you speak to each one of us, of what you would have for us in this message and in this scripture today. Oh, Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for coming to earth to show us what the Father is like and to help us to understand the heart of who you are and help us, Lord, to live that out every day as well. In the name of Christ we pray, amen. So we're in a series of messages right now called Walking in the Footsteps of Jesus. And what we're doing is looking at his baptism and when he began his public ministry, talking about some different emphasis on what was important to him. And then we're gonna end with Holy Week as we head into Easter. But last week we talked really about baptism, if you were with us. Why is baptism important for all of us today? What does it mean for our lives to know that we are a baptized child of God? How do we live that out? And the fact that Jesus walked into the waters of baptism is very, very important. And then he went from there, this high climactic moment in his life, and he went into the desert and he was tempted for 40 days and 40 nights. And it was a difficult time. He was tested as he began his public ministry. But then Jesus, after that time, he headed north to the region of Galilee. It was about a seven or eight day journey on foot. And he spent a great deal of time in the city of Capernaum. And the city of Capernaum was really central to his ministry at that point. And uh, about 80% of what happens in all of the other gospels, all of the things that we read about, happens from that vantage point of Capernaum. Jesus went to the neighboring towns and villages around the Sea of Galilee, but a lot of it centers in Capernaum. Jesus did 12 miracles there. 
And so it was an important city. So I want you to see a couple of pictures of that. Um, the first picture that you'll see there, these are some of the ruins of sort of probably that downtown, the, the main city square of uh, Capernaum in that day where they did you know, government kinds of things. The next picture that you'll see there is some ruins from the synagogue at that time. It was been their church. Notice how high those uh, columns are. It was really a beautiful place uh, to be. Then the next picture that I want you to see is, this is probably what Peter's house looked like, the inside of it. And I want you to particularly notice that it wasn't very big. This is sort of the remains of Peter's house. And Jesus did a lot of his ministry from Peter's house there in Capernaum. In our scripture that we're gonna look at today in Mark chapter two, to kind of set the stage for that, if you can picture uh, Peter's house there, it would have been absolutely packed with people. People wanted to come, they wanted to see Jesus, they wanted to hear Jesus. I mean, Jesus was like a celebrity that had come to their little town. And anywhere that Jesus was, that was the place to be. So this house was the place to be on this day. And people were packed in, shoved in, tight, as much as they could be pressed up into that little area. Maybe people were looking in the windows, there were people coming out of their, the doorway. I just want you to get a sense of this place that was just packed with people. It was not social distance, it was not COVID friendly in any way, all right? But there were people there and they were just packed in because they wanted to hear Jesus. They wanted to be around him. They wanted to be near him. And so Mark chapter two, starting with verse three is where we're gonna jump into the story this morning. You'll see it up there on the screen. It says that some men came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four of them and since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus and after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was laying on. Now it's really interesting in scripture because sometimes you can read that simple two sentence uh, thing that's written in scripture and it sounds so ordinary, doesn't it? And yet the story was anything but ordinary. Picture it for just a minute. This place is packed with people. They can't get anything more in. And there was a group of four friends and they got there sort of a little bit late. Maybe they were helping their, their friend get ready. He, he couldn't use his legs of some sort. We don't know exactly why, but he was trying to get onto this mat um, and they carried it with four of them. And as they got to the house, they realized there was no way they could get in. There was people there. It was packed and, and they... they, they couldn't get there. And I wonder if they got frustrated. Like seriously, we tried. They had tried to get there in time and, and maybe they'd tried to help their friend before and, and there were these failed attempts and broken dreams and broken promises. Maybe some of you know what that's like. Where you go from doctor to doctor and you can't quite know what's wrong or what the treatment is that you need. And I bet those friends, they just felt really frustrated on that day. They were trying to get this man to Jesus because Jesus, they had heard, could heal people. And so they had this hope in their heart. What if, what if this would be the time we could help our friend be able to get some sort of healing in his life? And I wonder who the engineer was in that group the rest of the people, they saw this crowded house and nobody could be there and they were all coming out the doors and windows, but somebody sat back and said, you know what? What about the roof? 
Who was the guy who sat back and saw the bigger picture to this? And most of the homes in that time, they would have had a flat roof and they would have had a staircase on the outside of it to be able to go and enjoy. That was kind of their deck. It was, it was an area, it would have been a nice culture. And sometimes they'd go on the roof in an evening to enjoy a little time. And so one of those friends said, what if we try the roof? And can you imagine having your friend on some sort of a mat, maybe it's some material behind me there, and you're trying to hoist him up this flight of stairs to get them to the top? That would have been an endeavor. And they get up there, and they start cutting through the roof of Peter's house. Now, if you're Peter, you come out and you say, hey, what in the world are you doing? Who told you you could do that? Who's going to pay for that, right? We think about insurance. We think about all that kind of stuff. But I just think of Peter saying, what in the world are you guys doing? And from the inside, Jesus is in there, and he's trying to teach people. And he's talking, and everybody's trying to strain in to hear him. And pretty soon, you know, maybe he just, you know, fluffs a little bit of dust off of his, off of his head. And pretty soon, this big chunk enough to lower somebody down comes flying down into the living room. It would have been clay and, you know, a, a little bit of branch kind of stuff. And he looks up and there's this great big hole big enough for them to lower the man on the stretcher down in front of Jesus. This did not happen every day. This was a significant moment in the world. And what did Jesus say in that moment? He didn't scold them. He probably wasn't like Peter, like, who's going to pay for this, man? He didn't mention the roof at all. He marveled at their faith. He marveled at their courage. He marveled at their clarity of sight. And there's a couple of things that I want us to see from this story this morning. And the first is this, that all of us need stretcher bearers. All of us need people in our life who are willing to help us no matter what, who are willing to pick you up, who are willing to tear off a roof if they need to and lower you to Jesus because it is that important. Because they care about you so much that even if they can't fix whatever is going on in your life, they care enough to be able to take you to Jesus. And all of us need to have people in our life who are willing to do that, whose faith is strong sometimes when ours is weak. And those relationships don't just happen. You have to invest in them. And we see great determination in this story, that there was this great connection between the man and his friends. And they were determined to be able to get him to Jesus. His friends would stop at nothing to care for them to care for him and bring him to Jesus. Their bold action showed their faith. In fact, it's interesting, I want you to see this. Mark writes in scripture in verse five. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Isn't that interesting? When Jesus saw their faith, not just his faith, but when Jesus saw their faith, that's what made a difference in order for him to experience his that blessing. His friends dared to do what was difficult. His friends did what was unusual. They dared to do what was costly. And they walked their friend 
through the darkest of days. They could have called it quits at any moment. They could have said, you know what, sorry man, it's just too crowded, we're gonna have to come back tomorrow or another day or to come back later. They could have called it quits. They could have said, this isn't worth it. They could have said, sorry man, we just can't figure it out. But they didn't. They kept after it because it was so very important. And sometimes God calls you and me to be a stretcher bearer for someone else. To be one of those people that says, I may not be able to fix this for you, but I'm gonna be with you in it, no matter what. And Galatians 6, 2 says that's what we're called to do as brothers and sisters in Christ. It says um, in there, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Will you stay awake? Will you pray for your friend? Will you persevere? Will you hold them up when they need to be strengthened? Will you do everything that you can to bring that person or that loved one or that friend to Jesus? There was a little girl who once asked her father one night, what's your favorite Bible story, Papa? Well, let me see, he said. The one that we read at supper tonight about the four men who carried their paralyzed friend to Jesus, it is one of my favorites because it really reminds me so much of how your Uncle Hans was healed. I don't know that story, the little girl said, hopefully, will you tell it to me? Many years ago, the father began, Hans and his wife escaped the war in Europe so that he could continue teaching in the seminary. And the students loved him at the seminary because he was, he was kind and he was gentle and when he spoke, the scriptures just kind of came alive. Then one day, Hans's young son died. And Hans was struck with incredible sorrow. And for weeks, he could not eat or take walks or even teach. And the seminary president, along with three other friends, they visited him regularly, but he still felt alone. And Hans said to his friends one day, I am no longer even able to pray to God. In fact, I don't even know if I even believe in God anymore. He was going through such a difficult time. And after a moment of silence, the seminary president said, then we will believe for you, and we will pray for you. And the other friends, well, they didn't really know what to say and they didn't want to disagree with the seminary president, so they kind of all, you know, just agreed to the process. And in the days ahead, those four men, they met for prayer and they asked that God would restore the gift of faith to their dear friend. And they kept after day after day and week after week and month after month. And after many months, the four men, they all gathered again in Han's living room and this time, He was able to smile as he spoke. He said, it's no longer necessary for you to pray for me. For today, it's okay that we can begin to pray together for you to pray with me. And there was a long silence before the little girl spoke again. Uncle Hans was just like the sick man in the story, wasn't he, Papa? Only instead of using a pallet, To carry him to Jesus, his friends used prayer. And the father nodded and kissed his daughter. When you're going through a tough time, who do you turn to? And who are those friends who will be with you 
and who will walk with you and who will listen to you and who will pray for you and who will pray on behalf of you if necessary. That's what we are called to do as the body of Christ. And those relationships take time to invest in, in your family and in your church and in small groups and in getting to know people on a deeper level, but it is incredibly worth it. Because we have the common ground of faith in Jesus and that's what we are called to do and to be as the body of Christ, is to carry one another's burdens. And so who might God be calling you to be a stretcher bearer for in these days? Who might God be calling you to be a stretcher bearer for? But second in this story, I want us to see also another truth. That Jesus had deep compassion for the sick. Jesus really had deep compassion for the sick. He noticed people who were sick. And he stopped along the road often to heal them. He would heal a blind man or he was able to restore the withered hand of someone else. If you read um, scripture passage after scripture passage, you see that this was important to Jesus. Jesus stopped and he did this and he healed people because it was important. He had the power and the compassion to heal. And it's a reminder that when we're sick and when we're going through hard times, Jesus notices and he cares. He cares about each and every one of us. Because you see, sometimes we're called to be the stretcher bearer for someone else. And sometimes we find ourselves as the one on the mat. And we need other people to surround us and care for us. And for some of you that are used to being caregiver all the time, that's a really difficult role to be. And to say, I, I need somebody, I need some others to surround and care for me in this time too. But maybe you're going through something and, and maybe you need some physical healing or maybe you're, you're going through something emotionally and you need God's healing emotionally or maybe you need God's healing spiritually. You see, Jesus first met the man's deepest need for forgiveness and then he met his need for physical healing. And so sometimes we find ourselves on the mat asking for God's healing as well. For me, that significant time was when I was in seminary. And I went right from college to seminary. It was a three-year time, and you study to be a pastor. And I was excited about it and energized, and I didn't know exactly what it was going to look like. But I struggled through a good portion of that with an extended illness. And I was frustrated by that because I said, God, would you just heal me of this so I can go and and do all this stuff? I want to be a pastor and learn how to care for people and and do all this stuff. Let's get this sickness out of here so that I can have the energy I need to do all this stuff. And I wrestled with it because I know that God has the power to heal and I asked for that over and over again. God, would you heal me of this physical burden so I can go and do other things? And God chose not to heal me that way. And so if you've ever wrestled with that in your own life, it's okay to do that. And sometimes God heals us immediately and sometimes God heals us through a process and sometimes God uses doctors and and medicine and all of that stuff. And sometimes God heals in an instant and I don't understand why it's different. But in my particular case, 
It came through that longer process of doctors and medicine and almost a year and a half. And when I got to the end of my seminary and I was thinking back around that, a thing I learned is that that was just as much of a formative process for me in learning to be a pastor as all the bookwork and the learning the Greek and the Hebrew and everything else. Why is that? Because it taught me compassion. And when I had to go from doctor to doctor and not understand what it was, so many of you go through that journey too. And tell me what it was like to, to wait for medical tests and procedures because you go through that too. And it taught me what it was like to struggle with healing and to pray and to know that God heals and, and to, to not understand always God's timing in that. And it taught me perseverance and compassion and grace and what it means to let other people pray for me in difficult times too. See, I believe in God's healing. And I believe that God can and does provide different types of healing for different types of people and circumstances. And I don't understand all of that. But I know that God is in charge. And God wants the very best for us. And he provides the healing that we need, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. And sometimes we experience that healing this side of heaven, and sometimes we experience that healing in heaven. But I believe in the power of healing, and I believe that God wants to bring healing to his people. And it's very interesting, at the end of this story, Jesus says in Mark chapter 2, verse 9, you'll see what this says. He says, which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And he got up, he took his mat, he walked out in full view of them all, and this amazed everyone. And they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. And Mark, he frequently reported on the amazement of Jesus' teaching or the amazement of what Jesus did because it was unbelievable. But it reminds us that God has the power to heal. And sometimes he heals in a moment like he did for this man and sometimes he heals over time like he does in other instances and sometimes he heals in heaven. But Jesus took a real interest in the sick and he was an agent of healing in this world. And doctors and nurses and technicians and surgeons and all of those who work in the medical field, they are agents of healing. And sometimes they get tired and worn out and burned out, especially in this COVID year. And it is a high and amazing calling and they have been tested to the limits. And we're gonna pray this morning, especially for healthcare workers in just a moment. But I want to remind all of us that we are called to be agents of healing, God's healing in this world, as we walk in the footsteps of Jesus. Healing was an important part of his ministry. And so for you and I to walk in his footsteps, it also means that we are called to be agents of healing in this world too. And are you willing to be a stretcher bearer for someone else? 
Are you willing to stand in the gap for someone today with prayer? Because it's important. And it's because it's what we're called to do. Or maybe you're the one on the mat today and maybe you are in need of God's healing today. Maybe you have something going on physically and you just want to let God's healing power flow over you. Or maybe you're in need of emotional or mental healing today. You've gone through some really difficult circumstances lately, maybe a divorce or a separation or a tough relationship and you just have a lot of anger and hurt and resentment going on in your heart right now. And you need Jesus to bring healing and begin that healing work in those places in your heart. And maybe you're in need of spiritual healing. You just, you need to draw closer to Jesus. This this COVID year has just taken you off of everything that you know. And you need his, to be drawn closer to God through, through hope and encouragement and forgiveness. And if you desire God's healing in any of those ways this morning, in just a moment when we pray, I just invite you just to open your hands like this on your lap. Just as a, as a symbol, God, I need your healing touch on my heart and life today. And God hears and knows exactly what we need. So would you pray with me as we close this morning?